It is I, Raquel Dene of RaquelaDene.com, military spouse, homeschooling mom, communication stylist, and encouragement extraordinaire. Welcome back to the couch. So as I promised y'all last week, we are back. We are on the couch. Where do we start? I know that I have promised a season of stories and truth and depth and all of those things, and we're going to get there. But I'm really bad at storytelling sometimes. You know, I can be very circular. Like I got to tell you about the War of 1812 to tell you about what happened last week to get to my point. So I'm really going to do my best to hone in and be specific so you can follow me and so that we can try through this together. So let's start from the very beginning. About three years ago, I was in the throes of postpartum depression and I sought therapy as a means to help gain parenting skills. I had two children, had no idea what I was doing, felt completely overwhelmed, and my therapist has been amazing. As we started going through parenting skills and coping mechanisms and putting tools in my toolbox, she began to ask me about my childhood. What did childhood look like for me? Um, How was I parented? So that we could discuss how those things were influencing my choices and my decisions actively as a parent and a mother. And I don't remember saying this, but my therapist stopped me and she said, what do you mean? The statement I made, she said, tell me about your childhood. And the statement I made to her is, we don't have to talk about her. I just need help now. And I remember this because I I made it a note because my therapist seemed quite taken aback and I didn't even notice. What I realized then, what I have learned over the past three years, is that I had so completely disassociated from my upbringing in certain parts, really most parts of my childhood, teenage years, adolescence, that I didn't even acknowledge in my present state that that was a part of my life. The very statement of, we don't have to talk about her, the idea that my childhood self was a whole separate person was quite concerning for my therapist as you know it should have been but it was so normal to me you know who I was when I got off a plane in Dallas Texas on June 6 2002 was not the person that got on the plane in Seattle Washington on June 6 2002 those four hours changed me I I decided, I made a very conscious choice during those four hours that I was not going to be who I was. And who I was was not inherently bad, but who I was didn't feel like enough, right? So I was going to take on whatever personas, personalities, do whatever it is I felt like um, I wanted to try or experience because I had spent so much time being subject to secrecy and not feeling like I had a voice. So as I continued to go through the years, I developed a life, you know, in Louisiana. And I kept separate from that life, the things that kind of happened in the past. And those friends I had in junior high and high school that I'm still friends with today for the most part, they knew there were people who knew. But those that I met along my journey when I moved, I did not introduce them to the traumas and the truths of who I was before June 6th. And 
as I started to go through these things with my therapist, I remember saying for years, I'm never going back to Washington. There's nothing for me there. I don't want to be there. The sheer thought of being in that state brought up anger. I mean, like complete fury within me, which is interesting. And it was like that for decades, well, almost decades. And around 2018, I began to want to have conversations with those closest to me about my upbringing and experiences. And so I did. And it it was healing in a lot of ways, but I still was not really sold on the idea of going back to Washington. I wanted to leave all of those things behind. Well, life happens. Fast forward to 2020, COVID hits. And my mom still lives in Washington. And I was really nervous about her being there by herself. Um, we had planned to take a trip to go visit her, we being my girls and I. And just with the way the world was working at the time, it did not, it was not a good idea. It didn't go as planned. And so we canceled the trip. And the promptings of my children over the past year, honestly, played a big role in this. You know, they wanted to see their grandmother. They wanted to spend time at her house. My youngest had never been. There were all of these questions about my childhood. You know, what did you do growing up? And what did the house look like? And where did you go to school? And so probably around May, June of 2021, I talked to my husband and told him I wanted to go. I wanted to go back and visit and take the girls. Uh, It was originally supposed to be the four of us. It ended up just being the girls and I. And he was supportive, you know, he said, whatever you feel like you need to do, if you feel like you're ready, go for it. So I packed up two children, three suitcases, some car seats, and we headed to the Pacific Northwest. Y'all. Now, I don't know about you, if you've ever been nervous, like you ever get super nervous and you feel like you constantly have to pee or your stomach is constantly unsettled. That was basically me with two children. So I had to hold it together. But the entire time. I was just so inwardly nervous and we land and we get the rental car and all of the luggage and the children are settled and we're driving. And for those of you who've ever been to the Pacific Northwest, you're going to understand this reference. But as soon as I hit I-5 and I caught a glimpse of Mount Rainier, I was in tears. It was so beautiful. And we had gotten there. The sun was starting to set. I mean, it was literally breathtaking. And for those few minutes, as I drove down the interstate, I just thought to myself, like, God, thank you. Thank you that we didn't get off a plane into traffic. Thank you that, you know, we've made it safely on this journey, but thank you for this beautiful view on this ride to my mom's house. And so we get there and of course, you know, there's food ready and there's love and there's all this acceptance. Well, I also had made part of this trip. uh, I built in a few personal days. So when I first pitched it to my mom, I said, hey, we want to come visit with the stipulation that for about three days, I just need to be alone. I've never been an adult in the state or my city. I've not really been alone for an extended amount of time since COVID's hit. And I just, I'm going to need a couple of days to adjust. So we get there on the weekend and my three days to myself were the following 
Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And I enjoy the company of my mom and the girls. Tuesday comes, I hop in my car. I drive to the hotel that I booked in the middle of downtown Tacoma. It's absolutely stunning. I walk in and check in and leave. I go buy food. Y'all, I bought food like I was going to be there for two weeks because sis had no intentions of really like doing things. I didn't want to be hungry in the middle of the night. I didn't want to have to like get up and put on clothes if I got the itch for a snack at like midnight. So the snacks and the food were on deck. Like I bought groceries. It was kind of ridiculous, but I digress. So I leave and I'm hanging out at the waterfront in Tacoma for the first time since I was a teenager. And I'm seeing people, I'm seeing different cultures. And I was just in awe, honestly. Like this might sound crazy to some people, but having grown up the way that I did, I realized it had been almost 20 years since I'd seen like Pacific Islanders other than my close-knit friends that I'm still friends with today, but just out in public to see diverse communities of people felt so good. And here I was again, faced with a beautiful view of the mountain and the breeze coming off the water. And July in the Pacific Northwest is beautiful. So all of these things are working in my favor. And I decide it's time to go back to my room and I'm walking in a different way. Now I'm walking in through the parking garage. And have you ever gotten deja vu where you think to yourself, like, I feel like I've been here before. I had that feeling walking through the lobby. But again, a hotel is a hotel is a hotel. So I walk in, I get up to the elevators, I walk into my room. And y'all, what do you think I saw as soon as I walked in? Mount Rainier. I had these two beautiful picture windows with this velvet lounge chair underneath them. And I had the most beautiful view of the mountain. And I just remember looking at it and crying. All I saw was beauty. It was just, it was magnificent. And so as I began to connect with friends and just kind of tell them what was going on, you know, hey, I'm in the city. This is what it is. One of them said, well, what hotel are you staying at? And said, oh, the Hotel Murano. And there was this pause. Said. Is, is there is something I should know? I'm thinking maybe I'm staying in a place with bed, but y'all, I'm trying to decide whether or not I should pack up all my food and hit the road. And they go, that's the hotel you stayed at for your trial. And I, I thought to myself, like, wait, what? So the backstory to that is that in 2002, I was, well, before 2002, I was the victim of sexual molestation and abuse when it was finally made public um there was a trial and that trial occurred in the fall of 2002 and it was one of the most traumatic experiences of my life um but i had to travel back to washington for that trial and i stayed in what at the time was the marriott and it was horrible memories, y'all. I mean, like, horrible. But now here I was, 19 years later almost, in the very same hotel. But the view was so different. Not just the view out the window, but how I saw it. God had given me so much peace. 
he had given me so much beauty for my ashes that that revelation didn't take me off my foundation. It didn't shake me to the core like it would have years ago. And it was in that moment that I realized that this trip was about so much more than just visiting my mom or visiting, you know, the high school I went to. It was about restoration. It was about healing. God was physically showing me the beauty for ashes. He was giving me joy in the place of so many years of mourning. And I made up my mind right then that this trip was going to be about me, about me finding peace with my past, healing in myself, joy, love, and curating so many new memories and experiences, not only with myself, but with my mom and my children, so that the way my body and mind perceived this place was no longer covered in trauma or tears. But I did not think about that when I got on the plane to get there. It was not on my mind to have healing. It was more so like, well, let's just bite the bullet and go, you know, no time like the present. Why keep putting things off? And so that that's kind of where the journey began. And there were so many lessons learned. There was so much quiet, y'all. Now, I grew up an only child. COVID kind of taught me that while I can be an extrovert, I lean a lot more to the ambivert side of the scale. I can be social when I want to be, but sis needs quiet. And there were so many opportunities for me to have that. Have you ever felt like God was giving you something that you didn't even ask for with your mouth? It felt like something I'd wanted, but the idea of it was so foreign or incomprehensible that I never even really voiced it as a want. And he gave it to me anyway. And so I'm on this trip learning these lessons. And I realized that the her I didn't want to talk about in therapy all those years ago has been looking at me in the mirror, hoping, wishing, waiting for me to see her, for me to acknowledge her and accept her flaws and all. For those who have experienced traumas in life, certain things can occur that make it difficult for you to see the good in you. Even if it's not your fault, it gets hard to accept that there wasn't something about you that attracted the things that happened to you. And then for me personally, because I, I never used my voice, I didn't speak up, I didn't know what to say. I blamed myself, even though that wasn't my responsibility as a child. That wasn't, it wasn't my fault. And so I, I'm in this room for these three days and the armoire where I had my luggage is mirrors. So I'm sitting on this lounge, either looking at myself in the mirror or looking out the window. And I'm realizing that I, in totality of who I am, I'm good. I'm a good person. 
And that might sound like a like a little thing, like, oh, you know, you're a good person. Yeah, a lot of times we do good things. But for me to acknowledge that in my wholeness, I was a good person is not something that I, I really did because I know my pains, my struggles, my strifes, my mistakes. So I kind of held a grudge against myself, so to speak. You know, it was just it was one of those moments where I had to lay myself bare for myself to myself and say, listen, we're either going to allow the past to continue to define who we are or how we've been, or we're going to allow it to all come together and work for good. Now, y'all, when I say we, I mean like me, myself, and I. I don't know about you, but again, as an only child, sometimes you don't have anybody to talk to. So I learned early that uh, we going to have these conversations. We have staff meetings, team talks, me, myself, and I. We get ourselves together here every now and again. It felt good to say, you know, Washington isn't a reminder that I'm a victim. I'm not that little girl anymore. I'm an adult. I survived. I've made I've made it past that point in my life. And I had to stop and thank that little girl that I I so actively pushed aside for so many years. Her bravery, her perseverance, her strength, her coping mechanisms helped me to survive my circumstances. What a beautiful picture that was to recognize for myself. But then to acknowledge that all of those beautiful things, all of those amazing qualities of that little girl, y'all, that was still me. It's me. And to give myself the credit, like God did it, absolutely. But to acknowledge that I continued to try to make the choices that would lead to a better life or a better outcome. It just felt good, you know, cause I'm not perfect. I've struggled with addiction. I've made a lot of really poor choices. I put myself in some pretty precarious situations over the years, but to know that I could switch victim with survivor, talk about the piece that surpasses all understanding. Like, it was amazing. And this is like day one and a half, two days into my stay. I had only really been in the state at this point, like five days. And our trip was 18 days total. So again, as we go through the next couple of weeks and this continues to unfold, I hope that I can paint the visual picture of what choosing can do. So often we tell ourselves, well, I'm going to try. I'm going to try. I'm going to think about it. We'll see. I'm trying. No, we're either doing it or we're not. We're going for it or we're not. We're moving or we're not. And sometimes some seasons of life are going to require you to stand still. Some are going to require you to lay down. Some are going to feel like you can't do anything but cry. And that's okay. But when it's time to move, you got to get up. I hesitated. I found every reason not to for years. Oh, but the deliverance that came with finally just saying yes have been priceless. And so I hope that you'll hang in there with me for the next couple of weeks. This has been a season of seeking. And oh, y'all, that's what we're going to call this, the season of seeking. 
I've been looking for something. So many of us, we're looking for things and we don't quite know what it is. We don't quite know how to put our finger on it. But in this season, I realized not only what I was seeking, but I found it. I found it and I'm holding on to it for dear life. So I look forward to seeing y'all again on the couch. Until next time, see ya. Thank you.